wanted to see if God wanted to do something at that point, but he didn't stop me, so I feel the release to move forward. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your spirit, your mighty Holy Spirit, Jesus. Jesus said it's, it's advantageous for me to go because if I go, I'll send the Holy Spirit to you, the comforter, the advocate, the standby the spirit of truth we thank you Holy Spirit for being with us and comforting us and always being there wanting to help wanting to speak words of comfort wanting to speak words of wisdom wanting to remind us of what Jesus has done and said and we thank you and I ask the Lord that as we just spend a little bit of time here in the word that that, uh, you help us to Get a hold of what we need. Help us to uh, apply it to our lives. Not just be hearers of the word only, but be doers of the word. And I thank you, Lord, and I praise you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Becky. So, um, I'm like, I'm going to check the time, but I have no idea. I don't usually check the time at this time, so I have no idea if I'm doing, yeah, okay, I'm doing, doing early. So we might, uh, we might get out a little early today. I, you know, my, the message is probably kind of short. It depends on what, uh, what God gives me while we're talking. And, and today's message is a little experimental. God's been dealing with me about stepping out of a comfort zone that I've created for myself. You know, sometimes even though God is showing you a very good way to get the job done, uh, sometimes he'll have you step away from that for a while, do something different, because uh, I think that's just because he doesn't want us to lose our reliance on him. You know, he doesn't want us to become dependent on a method, you know, rather than be dependent on the one who taught us the method, Almighty God himself, you know. So the title of today's message, this, the, title, the, the title of today's somewhat experimental message, if you will, is Trading Ashes. Trading Ashes. And before we get into it, I want to talk a little bit about the goal for this message. You know, um, we live in uncertain times. People are unsure of what is expected of them. You know, they're less certain about what they should expect of others. You know, I mean, we take these masks everywhere, but when we get to where we're going, we're not really sure if the people there are going to be expecting us to really wear it or not, you know. Do I wear it completely over my nose? Do I wear it under my nose? Do I wear it around my neck? Do I wear it off my ear or whatever, you know. Have you ever been walking up to someone and you could tell by their body language that, they, that how they're going to wear their mask is dependent on how you're wearing yours? Have you, you ever wonder what would happen if while you're walking up you were doing this kind of a, moving it all over the place, they'd probably be really confused then about what's, so what is, the, what is this person expecting of me, you know? So I, I, don't, uh, I don't want you to be in fear. And I don't want you to be shaken by the times. And I don't want you to be without hope. Because it's possible to be without hope. It may be unsettling to hear me say that because it's become popular to say, well, there's always hope. I would say there's always the potential for hope. Let's turn to Romans chapter 4. 
this uh, Romans 4 is talking a little bit about Abraham, you know, um, who believed God when God spoke things that seemed too good to be true. You know, I mean, we've all, it's like, you know, you, you, it's like, how, how, how are we going to get out of this one? You know, how, how is this situation going to resolve itself? How could it possibly, you know? And Abraham is an example of somebody who, you know, God said, you're going to have a child. And Abraham believed him. So here in verse 17 in Romans chapter 4, it says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. That's Abraham. God, God told Abraham. Actually, when God renamed him Abraham, he was really giving him something to confess. Um, because there's a bug flying around my face, but I got him though. So anyhow, Abraham means father of many nations, but Abraham didn't even have an heir. And so for many, many years, he would go around talking to, whenever he introduced himself, I'm Abraham, that has to be a faith confession because he, he, wasn't, a father, he, didn't, he wasn't a father at that point. So to say I'm the father of many nations is a faith confession. You understand, right? That's, that's, I mean, if, he's gonna, if he accepted the name that God gave him, which is a, a, a faith name, you know, he's a, he, he's a, we're faith children of a faith God, as they like to say. You know, God, God has faith. God framed everything with faith. You know, so it, it says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who now? Here, here's here's the the uh, main line here. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. So this whole th- these two verses are talking about you know the the it's talking about the culmination of what Abraham believed. You know God gave, said your name is Abraham. You're the father of many nations. You will have an heir. Through that heir, you will have more descendants than you can count. And Abraham's like, okay, I believe you. And so every time he spoke his name, he's, you know, and I just, I just bring that up only because it's making a big, it's, it's, it's making an emphasis of this. In the first line, it says, I made you a father of many nations. Then in verse 18, it says, then he became the father of many nations. But it took many, many years. Okay. But what's interesting here is it says, who contrary to hope, this is Abraham, who contrary to hope and hope believed. Well, what does that mean? Like hoping against hope, you know. What it means is, is that there, Abraham was 100 years old when God told him he was going to father a child. Abraham considered his body. He looked at his body, and he's, his body's far past child-rearing age, you know, really, physically. Very difficult to conceive at that age. And then he looked at his wife's body, who was far past child-bearing age. And they had been trying to have a child on their own for decades and were never successful. Physically, there's no hope there. In other words, he's hoping against the fact that there's no hope. He's believing in the hope that, that can only, was only provided after God gave him a promise. See, God's like, you're going to have a child. And he, he's like, okay, there's no physical hope. There's no physical evidence at all, but I believe in what you said. Okay. So it said Abraham believed God. Even in a hopeless situation, then, hope can always be found in God's word and what God said. Okay. God has made promises to us. God does not want us to abandon hope in him 
and his promises. He wants us to have, he wants us to, to have, him, have hope. He wants us to have faith. It says without faith it's impossible to please God. I've been in situations before where I'm believing for something, and it's like, you know what? You know, this, 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 this faith battle, I, I, can, I can win it, not because of myself, but because God, God wants me to have faith. God wants me to believe that I already have everything that, he, that I need through Christ to get through this. That means the battle is won already as long as I hold fast. Okay, so, you know, I remember when me and Tammy were getting ready to go to Oklahoma to attend Rama. it was a very long process. Very few of our family members were supportive. We did have a few that were, but most of them were not. Most of our friends were not supportive, and I understand why. They didn't want us to leave. I, understand, I get it, you know. Um, you know, on top of that, we had numerous financial difficulties. It took forever to get a buyer for the house. When we finally did get a buyer, they fell through right before the school deadline, so we had to wait for the following year, following school year. And then every time, every, every time a major problem came up, because there was other problems besides those, but every time a major problem came up, we had people telling us immediately, you must have missed God. Maybe this is God telling you you should stay here after all. You know, I mean, even, even our, our, our pastor, who, you know, he's a great, great guy, I love him, you know, but he was like, can't you, isn't there a Bible college locally around here that you could go to instead of going all the way out there? He didn't want to lose his worship leader, so he's like, can't you stay? And I'm like, no, I know what God said. God said Rama. you know. And uh, so it was really discouraging, you know. I, I, you know, one day me and Tammy and the kids stopped by Big Lots. How many of you like Big Lots? That's a, that's a cool store. And, but I wasn't in the mood to go into Big Lots that day. I was so discouraged, you know. And we pulled into the parking lot, and I noticed that my Bible happened to be in the car. That's not, that was not common. I don't, don't normally keep my Bible in the car, and it was in there. So I told Tammy, why don't you and the kids go in, and I'm going to stay in the car and read the Bible a bit. So they went in, and I opened my Bible to the book of Nehemiah. It wasn't like a, I opened it and it fell to Nehemiah kind of a thing. No, I, I specifically turned to the book of Nehemiah, and I began to read his story. Nehemiah had been told by God to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem uh, after it had been torn down. And I started to notice, as I'm reading and seeing the difficulties he faced, I started to notice that his story and my story shared some similarities. Of course, there was, there was times when his actual life was in danger, but, and mine wasn't, but, but I could see some of the kind of same um, things as far as people trying to discourage him, trying to dissuade him from the work or give him a different way. You know, um, they sent letters asking him to stop working and come talk to them. Come talk to us, you know, because there's some rumors that you're trying to rebuild this so you can rebel against the king. And he said, there's no truth to anything in what you're saying at all. You know, he said, I'm not going to, he said, no, I'm not going to come talk to you. No, because I have work to do. He's working on the wall. And uh, then they said, well, now your life's in danger. So you should, you should shut yourself up in the temple. You should hide. And, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of Christians nowadays, I imagine in these times that we're living in that with that, the temptation is high to just lock themselves inside the church building and try to hope everything just kind of blows over. But that's not our call. You know, and, and uh, he's like, he, he said, should a man in my position hide to save his life? No. He said, I won't do it. And so that kind of determination that Nehemiah had, that does not come natural to me. See, God's word helps us to see what needs to be done. And I knew, okay, I need, to, I need to step up with this determination and tell people, no. No, I know what God said. 
And, you know, I drew hope from God's promise to Nehemiah. Because there, no, there was no hope. I mean, it, you know, I knew, I, I knew what God had said, but that's all I had to go on. And you had all these issues coming up, cropping up all the time. And the God was answering prayers, and he was making provision while it was going on. But at the same time, he wasn't saying anything else. And so it was difficult. And so I had to, I had to say, look, God, God promised this to Nehemiah, and there's no indication that God spoke to him after that. He just was like, no, I know what God said. So you're, you, know, you can see how you can go and you can draw hope from this when it seems like there's no hope. You know what I'm saying? You with me? Um, so, your situation may not have any hope in the natural, but you can always go to God's promises for the hope that he provides in his words. So, let's turn from here over to Hebrews chapter 11. This is uh, the verse that tells us what faith is. Um, you know, most of us know it, familiar with it. But did you know that this verse also, in a roundabout kind of way, says what hope is? So here in Hebrews 11, it says now, this is verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So then the things that you hope for are not seen. I mean, it wouldn't make any sense to hope for something that you can see. You wouldn't have any reason to hope for it because it's already there. It's already right in front of you. Same thing with faith. There's no reason that, that if you hear knocking, that's just the decoration that they put up out. So it took me a long, long time yesterday to figure out what that was. I was like, someone knocking on the door? I kept going to check and there was nobody. Happened one time at, when I was a kid, there was a woodpecker knocking on. And I get up and I look out. But there's no one here. You know, I checked more, four or five times before I finally looked over and there was a woodpecker over there banging his head on the, on the wall. And he looked at me and I looked at him and I was like, mm, okay. Anyway. So faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's, 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 it gives substance to the things that I'm believing God for. Okay, and we talked about this before. But another way of putting this is then faith is what gives what you're hoping for substance. You know, in the, in the, in the Amplified Bible calls faith a title deed of what you have. It's a... It's a you know, the title deed shows, okay, I own this land, but it's, the, it's, it's just a piece of paper. You know, in this case, it's um, hope and faith. And in the past, we've said this to you, your hope sets the target for your faith to work. Charles Capps used an example of the air conditioning unit to explain the difference between hope and faith. Hope is like the thermostat over here on the wall. The thermostat itself is not cooling the room. The thermostat just sets the target. I go over and I, and I, set, I set the temperature, and it's like it... it and, and, you know, he, he used the interesting analogy when he was talking... I mean, he talked about it, and he said, he said you know, uh, he said, if I, if I set the temperature to 72 degrees when it's 90 degrees in the room, it would be ridiculous for someone to say, that's a lie because I know it's 90 degrees in here, it's not 72. It's like, no, 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 all I'm doing is setting the target for what I expect the temperature to become. Because if it stays on 72 long enough, eventually the air conditioner itself is going to kick in and then change is going to begin to take place in the room. See? So th- this, the, the AC is actually, what, the, the air conditioning unit is actually what goes into action. And so you could say that your hope is like the thermostat, your faith is like the air conditioner itself. It's, the, it's what brings the substance. 
Amen? You know, and, and hope, you know, hope is, not, hope is not a wish. Biblical hope is a confident expectation. I expect God to do this because he said he would. That's hope. That's what hope is. Joyce Meyer was teaching on this one time, and she said, for 40 years I expected nothing and I got nothing. There are many Christians out there who love God, and they want to see God work in their lives, but they're not fully convinced in their heart about what God wants for them. They may believe God can do it, but does he want to do this for me? Is he willing to do this for me? That's, that's the question. You know, but if you're there, if, if that's where you are, you, know, you think about it, you can't expect much because you're not convinced that he wants to do this. So I can't expect much. I can't hope for much then. I can't hope for what I know nothing about. We can go back to our example of Abraham. Once God told Abraham his promise of a child, you know, once he told him that, even though there was no physical evidence of a child, Abraham believed in the hope that God, God's promise provided. Like, his, his promise is good enough for me. I believe it. So hope and faith are very strongly related, but they're not the same thing. So, you know, once you know what God has promised, you have the opportunity for hope which sets the target for your faith. And the purpose of this message is not to get you overthinking because I don't want any of you to say, all right, this hope thing is just one more thing for me to try to get working in my life. One more thing I got to think about. No, two weeks ago we spent a long time talking about God's love. And then last week Josh talked a lot about God's love. And 1 Corinthians 13 says, love never loses faith and is always hopeful. Love never loses faith and is always hopeful. That's one of those verses that we can skip over and not see. But if, if love never loses faith and love is always hopeful, that means that if you walk in God's love, at some point that love is going to start fueling your faith and your hope. I'm telling you that this is not something that's too difficult. It's not like, oh, I have to get this now. I have to, I have to line up. I have to get this working and this working and this working and this working. And no, getting love working, which is the greatest commandment, it, it, it helps to build up these other things. It, it, you know, what, how do they say it? A rising, the, a rising tide lifts all boats, so to speak. Working, working on your love walk will help everything else. Okay. So, yeah, it's a change of thinking. But God designed it so that it's doable. Walk in God's love always, and you'll never be without faith and hope. Amen. But it's got to be his love. It's got to be his unconditional love. Unconditional love is a love without conditions. Not, if you do this for me, I will love you. No, I love you regardless of what you do. Unconditional love. And there's such a thing as unconditional faith. Unconditional hope. That's what Abraham was expressing when it's like, there's no conditions. God said, I'm going to do this for you. And he said, okay, I believe it. <laughs> you know. So, um, now back to this idea about what to, what to hope for. What can we hope for? Well, you know, there are many people out there that are stuck in despair. 
you know, I read, I read an article, and it was, it, was, it was for a certain city. It wasn't like a nationwide thing, but a certain city reported that their suicide hotline was up like 891% because of the way this new normal that everyone's having to, to go by. You know, and so these people are, they're crying out to anybody. But, you know, I imagine they're probably crying out to God, too. You know, and there are people we know for a fact crying out to God in this world that are like, God, if you're real, please do something. See, there's no, there, there's no hope in that situation. Because, because you know, oftentimes we, we don't come to God until there is no other hope. You know, a lot of people do that. We have to learn to go to God first. But people out in the world don't know. You know, they've, they've, they've exhausted every other avenue, every other thing that could be a source of hope in their life. And when there's nothing left, then they're crying out to God, God, if you're real, I need you to do something. And at least for them, we know that God will do something because he meets people where they are. And we ought to pray that those people have many opportunities to taste and see that the Lord is good, as the word said. But those of us who have said out loud and it, that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, actually, we have much to hope for. Much to hope for because God's promises are great. And he wants us to know what they are because he wants us to exercise our faith for them. Like I said, he, you know, he wants us to have faith. He wants us to make bold statements and believe. The word said that it's God's desire for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So that's, a, that's an ongoing thing, coming to the knowledge of the truth. After we're saved, he wants us to come to the knowledge of the truth more and more. Well, Jesus said he's the truth. So God wants us to know more and more about him, about his promises. Second Peter 1 says that grace and peace are multiplied to us in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. And many of you have heard of Hosea 4.6, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And my goal here is not to lay an overabundance of information on us. For today, it's sufficient that we know that God has made many great and awesome promises to us. That you could know more and more as you walk with him every day. You know, our walk with God is one that we can enjoy. Jesus, in his earthly ministry, walked with the Father. But in the Word, you never see him stressed out or worried or in a hurry. You never notice that? Jesus doesn't seem stressed out. They say, you know, well, you know, uh, that's Jesus. Well, Jesus was tempted at every point as we are. We're tempted to worry and despair and be discouraged about things. But Jesus was like, I know what God's called me to do. I know what I'm doing here. And he's not, he wasn't in a hurry. He, wasn't, he wasn't like, oh, no, we've got to get everything checked off our schedule. No more bathroom breaks, Peter. We've got to get to the next town because we're running late. There was none of that. It was, it was Jesus was just walking I learned a lot at Ramah, but the bulk of what I know about God and his promises came in the several years before Ramah when I really began to get into the word and walk out life with God. This is not something that we need to have all figured out right away or all overnight, this, this hope thing. Like I said, you know, for now it's enough that we know that God's promises to us or to you are, are good, very good, and very, very many. You know, in the Old Testament, God said, the thoughts that I think toward you are as many as the sand on the seashore. 
This is our Father. Can't count the number of thoughts He has toward you. So turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 1. Back, back a few books here. I'm uh, starting to get close to kind of winding this down now. It looks like we're going to have lots of, lots of time, but that's okay. I feel like in my heart like God wants to take a little bit of time to work on us a bit. I don't mind taking the time to do that. Sometimes he'll pull us out of our comfort zone in order to work on us. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to look at verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, that's past tense, by the way, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Did you know God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing he can give? And that's a promise. You could say it's a fact. He said that he's already done it. But the promise is that he has already done it. That's the promise. So, Because I want you to know what you can hope for. What you can confidently expect of God. When the bills come in and there's no physical evidence and, you know, you could do like Abraham did, believe the hope provided in this verse and say, I thank you, Father, that you have blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. See, now you've set the thermostat so that your faith can kick in and start to work. But, but you know, a lot of times we change the thermostat based on our circumstances. Can't do that. Can't expect anything from God if we do that. Book of James said that a double-minded man, let him not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. That's a person whose opinion wavers back and forth. Well, you know, I thought, I thought God said this, but I guess it doesn't apply to me personally. No, no God's not a, not a, he doesn't show, he doesn't play favorites. See, it, it, then what happens is, is that when we set that and we keep that there and say, this is what I'm expecting, because God said I can expect this then, you know, really, that's when you can, you can get substance to that because of your faith. But really, you're not, you're not really, you're hoping in God then, really, is what you're doing. You're believing what God said is going to come to pass. Because there's, there's people out there that would say, well, you can't say that you're healed if you've got symptoms in your body. That's a lie. No, what, what it is is I've received a report from my body. I've received, you know, I've, this report, these symptoms say this. And the doctor says this, but there's also a report that God gave me. And I'm just choosing to believe the report from God. I'm not denying that there's symptoms in my body, but I'm saying they have to go because of what God said. See, you know, I've, I've been believing for healing before, and I've had this thought come up that said, who are you to say that you're healed? Sometimes our own thoughts will mess with us too, you know. I told that thought, I didn't say I was healed, God did. I'm just agreeing with God. You can take it up with him if you want. He's the boss. I used to read God's word and I would become frustrated because it seemed like so much of it was over my head. Like, I, you know, I'll never be able to get this working for me because I just can't make sense of it. But look over here to verse 15 in this same chapter. I'm going to give you a tool that God has given us here that I missed for many, many years. So verse 15, and Tim's brought this up before, the Ephesian prayers. 
So verse 15 says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. So, so Paul's saying, I'm, I'm praying for you, Ephesians, you Ephesian believers, and this is what I pray for you. He's telling them. Verse 17, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul prayed that the believers at Ephesus would understand, that God would give them understanding, spirit of wisdom, revelation, reveal things to them. If they could understand, if they could, then I can understand. If I can understand, you can understand. If I can if I can do this, see, because you can, because this is a this is a prayer. I mean, you could pray this. Verse eighteen, he continues. He says, "The eyes of your understanding being enlightened." I like how the New Living Translation puts that. It says, "Your heart being flooded with light." Light reveals things. Okay, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? So it's according to God's mighty power, not ours. We don't have any mighty power to speak of, but God does. And he wants to give us these things. And it's interesting, you know, it talks about God's inheritance in the saints. And, and uh, you know, an inheritance is something that can't be claimed unless a person passes away. Well, Jesus died rose again, and left us an inheritance. Hebrews, Hebrews uh, I think it's 6.12, or either 12.6 or 6.12, I think it's 6.12, but talks about how don't become sluggish, but uh, looking at the example of spiritual believers, you know, mature believers who inherited the promises through faith and patience. So the, pro- the, the promises from God are inherited. They are the inheritance. God's using a bunch of different words to, interchangeably to talk about the same thing, the same promises. So this is available to all of us. If you want to know what is the hope of God's calling, what are the riches of his promises, and what are the spiritual blessings that he has blessed you with, ask God for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Ask him for it again and again every time you read his word. Ask him for it. Because this word is where you gain understanding of God and understanding of his promises. Over time, he will give you more and more understanding. So you can give up for a lack of hope. Okay, we don't want, don't, don't want you to do that. I don't want you to give up for a lack of hope. I want you to take hope in the promise that he has given. So let's turn to one last scripture before I close this out. Isaiah 61, if you would. Isaiah. Did you hope that I was going to turn to Isaiah? Isaiah 61, this is a prophetic scripture about Jesus before he came. You can call it a messianic prophecy because it's about Jesus as our Messiah or anointed. So we talked about the anointing a bit back, back ways. So uh, here, this is Jesus speaking before he was born. Look at verse 1 with me. Isaiah 61, verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, 
and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So all these promises, what they culminate in in our lives is that we are planted. You know, you're established. God wants us to be established. He wants us to be um, rooted, not easily moved, not easily shaken. And this is the purpose of the promises because he gave all these promises through here and these are just some some promises, but what do you say? Why? That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Okay, so here are many promises. I'm going to take a look at a few of them. God brought, he, and God brought these promises through, he brought them to the world through the ministry of Jesus Christ. They come through Christ. This is why we need to accept Christ and live like he said to live. Good tidings to the poor is one of them. Healing to the brokenhearted. Liberty to the captives. The oil of joy. The garment of praise. These are good promises, yeah? Whenever people, you know, are telling me that they've been depressed or sad, or I can tell, I'm like, put on the garment of praise. You can put on praise like a garment. I praise God. And just one example, you know, I've, I've seen in the word that God didn't say that this is how it works, but you can see the pattern over and over again is praise breaks into joy and joy breaks into victory because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Okay, so that's just a one example here. So these are good promises and we see that they are promises because they aren't totally fulfilled in the world, are they? Many have received them, many people have, and, and, and they've seen them in their life, but there are others who have yet to hear the good news and see the promises. In other words, these blessings are made available through Jesus to anyone who accepts Jesus and walks after the same manner of life that he walked. I love that he, in, in the Amplified when he called the disciples. He said, walk in the same manner of life that I walk. He said, change your inner self. And this line here in verse 3 is what I titled this message after, to give them beauty for ashes. God's promises make a person's life beautiful. Imagine a Christian who keeps their joy no matter what storm they're facing, no matter what trial they're going through. That is a person who never gives up hope. Even from a, uh, from a natural perspective, there's... There's nothing to hope for, but yet they hope. They, have, they are a person who has learned to accept God's beauty in exchange for their ashes. While I was writing this, I asked myself the question, am I holding on to any ashes in my life? Because what are ashes worth? Ashes are worth nothing. Ashes are what are le is left over after something is consumed by fire. Not worth anything. If I'm full of ashes, there's no room for any hope. 
How can I expect anything when I'm, I'm, all I'm holding on to is ashes? So I ask myself, am I holding on to any ashes? Because God made it clear here that Jesus came to trade in his beauty for ashes. It's a beauty for ashes. It's a trade. If I don't give him my ashes, how can I expect him to give me his beauty? Some of us have been carrying pains and scars from the past. Traumas and things like that. God wants us to give him those things in exchange for his healing, for his his beauty. Some of us are holding on to unforgiveness for wrongs others have done to us. God wants us to give up unforgiveness so he can heal and forgive us. And yeah, sometimes that includes forgiving ourselves for things. And this is, if this is weighing heavy on your heart, don't fret. That's just the Holy Spirit working on you. I'm talking to the people at home too. What I want to do now is, is open up the front here for a, a short ministry time. Because I feel in my heart God wants to take some time to work on us, like I said. And you know, you don't, you, don't, um, you don't have to search too far to find the ashes in your life. Because God will show us the things that he wants us to give him. Okay. It's true that it hurts to be shown the ashes in our lives. Sometimes it's almost like the wound has been opened up again. But that's why Jesus came, to heal the brokenhearted. He knows we've had our heart broken. Because, yes, that happens to men, too. But God's promise is that Jesus came to heal the broken heart. That's a promise, so you can hope at that. So take a moment to just where you are or down here. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care if you, you come down or if you stay where you are or where, what you do. Just take a moment to talk to God about some things. Trade your ashes for his beauty and let him do a work in you. Like I said, I've been open to front, but you know, for anyone who wants to come down and pray here or, or ask for prayer, that's fine. But I'm not calling on anyone to come down. Sometimes God will, will do that. He'll, he'll, he will actually say, no, they need to come down because sometimes that's just how things need to be dealt with. But in this case, I feel like we can take care of it where we are. Just do as you feel led. So I encourage you. In your own words, just where you are or wherever you end up, just talk to God about some things and see if he wants to trade you some things for your ashes. Amen. I'm going to um, step over here and play through a song. You're welcome to join me, Becky. It's, I'm going to play. I'm going to go through Anchor and just just spend some time. And uh, it'll be good. Praise God.